0: Uh, If you would, turn with me to John chapter 5. We're going to go straight into the message this morning. John chapter 5. This story, I, I believe, I believe this story can bring great encouragement to those of us that need a miracle in our lives. If you need a if you're believing, you're praying that God performs a miracle in your life, would you just raise your hand this morning? You're praying and you're believing God does a miracle in your life. You need to touch it. Go ahead, keep your hand raised. You need a touch in your body. You need a touch in your relationships. You need a touch that only God can provide. You're believing that. Look around this morning at all the hands that are lifted up. This, this morning, I believe that God wants to meet us right here in this place at this time, see some of you that know me, you know me well enough to know that in my office, if you tell me that you have a prayer request i 've got a stack of of cards, and I, I write your prayer requests down on, on those cards, and I as I, as I pray, I go through the cards and i, I couldn 't tell you how many there were i don 't have them numbered, but I want you to know that the Lord has them numbered and, and I go through these cards and i i 'll pray for you I really do, and, and that 's where my my prayer life lives right there in those index cards. And and as I turn through those, I, I was delighted this week to be able to rip two of those in half because that, that's a celebration, amen. That God has broken through, that God has done a miracle right there and right here at this church. We're a we're a church that believes that God can and still does perform miracles. Well, come on, half of us got that. We're a church that believes God does miracles this morning. And I believe that God is still wanting to do miracles in our hearts, in our lives. And I want to celebrate with you. See, there are people in this place that raised their hand and they said that they need a miracle. They're believing in God to do a miracle. But I'm here to tell you this morning that your miracle begins where your excuses end. Somebody heard that this morning. See, John chapter 5, verse 1, that's where we're going to pick it up this morning. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. I want to pause right there. I want to tell you that Jesus was going to a feast in Jerusalem. He was coming out of uh, Galilee. He was coming out of Samaria, performing a couple of miracles. It was in the north part of the country. And Jesus was coming into Jerusalem. And I don't know about you guys, in the south we say we're, we're going down to. Anybody ever say we're going down to? We're going down to the Dairy Queen. Man, that sounds good right now. <laughs> I don't know. This is stuff comes to me. Going down to the Dairy Queen, I want some ice cream for some reason for breakfast this morning. But it, but Jesus, see in the Bible, if you're going to Jerusalem, you're always going up because Jerusalem is up on a hill. So you're going up no matter which direction you're coming from. And Jesus is he's he's coming from the from the north. He's coming into Jerusalem from the south, and we don't know what exactly the festival was. We know it was a. We know it was a Jewish feast. It was probably one of three different kinds of feasts that they celebrate uh, in Jerusalem. And we know that that hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people came into that city at that time to participate in a meeting. But there was a meeting within that meeting. And Jesus had an appointment with a man. See, the the Scripture doesn't tell us uh, uh, what feast it was, but we know the Scripture does tell us about a more important meeting this morning. See now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda. See this gate was the Northeastern gate of Jerusalem. And as Jesus was coming from the South, he came in this Northeastern gate, which is just North of the temple Mount. And as he walked through that gate, which by, by the way, is now called the lion's gate, because you see the sheep gate is old. And now we have a lion. Amen. Somebody, now, I'm, I might be preaching to myself this morning, but he, come, he comes into the sheep gate. And, and right as he walks into the sheep gate, he sees this beautiful pool at Bethesda. And, and that word in, in Hebrew actually means two things. And in, in Aramaic, it, it shares a dual meaning. You see, Beth simply means house of or place of. but Thesda has a different meaning altogether. You see, it says it says either the... Place of grace or mercy or the place of disgrace or shame. See, Hebrew has that dual meaning. And whenever Jesus and all the other Aramaic and and Hebrew speakers came to this place, they recognized the dualistic part of this name. It's either grace or disgrace. And it continues to describe this place. In Scripture, having five porches, and these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed. Maybe some gossips in there, and some addicts, and, and people that are cynical, and, and, and somebody that needs somebody to do something in their lives from the Lord. And if I keep on going, I could probably hit some of us. But the truth is, is I probably hit myself twice now. And And as... He goes into this place. I want, I want you to understand that I'm about to uh, skip verse 4. And I'm going to go from verse 3 to verse 5. I'll, I'll tell us about why I'm doing that in just a, a few minutes. But, but right now, I want to do something that's important. I want to talk about the important part. Verse 5 says, Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time. Somebody say a long time. Jesus looked at him and said, well, that's just Bob over there in the corner. He's been like that a long time, and bless God, he's going to stay like that. <laughs> that, that that's, just, that's just this guy over there, and he doesn't have it all together, but God loves him anyway. It's all right for him to stay there. Jesus looked at him and said, well... Well, that, that fellow over there, I, if he would just get his life together, God might do something in his life. That's not what God said at all. See, Jesus looked for the worst situation, for the worst condition, and he walked straight to it. He, he looked around for somebody that couldn't do anything for themselves, and he walked straight up to them. Uh, see, m- many people think that Jesus only wants the best part of our lives, They think that that Jesus wants us to get dressed up in the morning on Sunday and and drive to church and smile and put on a happy face and shake hands, meanwhile hiding behind the mask that separates us from all the stuff inside that hurts so bad that we don't even want to talk about it. It would... We we feel like Jesus only wants to address those things that, that we can expose to other people and himself. But, but in reality, that's not what Jesus has come to do. You see, Jesus came to the situation, the condition that was the worst. The person that couldn't get up and do for themselves what everybody else could. You remember, Bethesda means a place of disgrace and grace. See, I, I think we ought to know this morning that, that the place of Bethesda is the place where we say, I know that I'm a child of God, but, but I, still, I still need a touch from Him. I, I know that I have the victory, but I've still got my doctor's appointment scheduled tomorrow morning. I, I know that I know that God is going to do a work in me, but I'm still believing. And I but I, I, I still impress my pillow in tears every night because I just don't know how it's all going to happen. You see, Bethesda is that place in that moment where the hurt meets the healer. See, I believe that God that God wants to touch the parts that are not the presentable parts. He wants to come and touch us in our lives, in our hearts, where we need him the most. The, the places that we don't want anybody else to see. But some of us, we we feel like we, we just can't show those things. But it's in the places where it's the, the ugly. It's the places where it's the sick. It's the places that is unpresentable. That Jesus wants to ride up, walk right up to you and speak into your life. If you would just, Allow him to do that work this morning. See, Jesus walked up straight to that guy and he says something that is kind of odd when you think about it. He walks straight up to that man and he says, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? See, I want to stop right here and I want to preach about this a little while this morning. Somebody touch somebody and say, This is the place. Come on, I had about half of you do that with me. This is the place, and this is the time where my miracle begins. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would release your Holy Spirit into this place. Speak to our hearts and our lives. We bind the enemy and all the distractions that would try to present themselves to keep us from reaching out and touching you this morning, Lord. I pray, God, that miracles would happen in this place at this time. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You, You know what's strange to me as a pastor here at Christ's Legacy, after almost 14 years in the ministry and 11 here at Christ's Legacy, I still think it's the the strangest thing that some people want to walk in church and they have an attitude that says, and it's nobody in this service, so don't don't be looking around, but they have an attitude that says, I will not be changed. (laughs) They, they, they have this attitude that says, that says I'm going to walk into the very presence of God and enjoy the, 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 the family here that we have in Christ. I'm going to sit in, in worship. I'm going, I'm going to sit under teaching. I'm going to have this fellowship. But when I walk out these doors, I'm going to walk out forever to be the same, never to be, to, to, to be changed. And that's the kind of attitude that some people have. Not here this morning, though. No one, no one. And it's just astounding to me that we could come into this place with that kind of attitude. See, there was a pool just inside of that sheep gate in Jerusalem called Bethesda, a place of grace and disgrace. I don't want to tell you about the people that are sitting next to you this morning on your row. Look out! Here I come. See, as a pastor, we have the amazing privilege and the heavy burden to share your life with you. And when you walk into our offices and you begin to bear out your soul and share with what's going on in your life, we somehow see beyond that curtain that we all put up in front of us and all of a sudden life just gets real back there. And tears come and hearts are broken and families are torn apart And things are happening all in our congregation. But when we come in here, we we smile, we shake hands, and we hug each other and we say everything is fine. But this morning, we've got to come to a place of reality where grace meets disgrace and come to that spot and say it's that spot right there where God wants to touch me. It's that spot, not not in the shaking of hands, not in the smiles, not in the nice clothes, but in the hurt and in the ugly and, and the lacking. See, we all have a spiritual condition. We have a spiritual condition and this condition, it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away no matter what mask you put on and no matter how nice you look and no matter, no matter what, what you say or you do, we can even, we can even try to put it out of our minds, but we know that it never goes away. It always comes back up and it reminds us where it is and what's wrong with our lives. It doesn't go away. See, if I asked this morning, what, what you're praying for in your life, many people would be here and they would say, well, I'm. Pastor John, I'm praying for my marriage this morning. Or I'm praying for my children this morning. Or maybe you're praying for a job or that God would help you start a business. I'm praying for a a decision that I need to make this morning, Pastor John. Or or I'm I'm praying for this or that. But this morning, the real miracle needs to come between a place of grace and disgrace. The real miracle starts right here in our hearts, in our lives. It's not a, well come on now here, here here listen to what I want to say you see when we think about miracles most of the time we think about something in our situation or in our condition that needs to change we're thinking about something external that needs to change but but you know what is always missing God changed me God set me free from me God Somehow come and crawl inside of this heart of mine and make me right. We need to pray like the psalmist said in 51.10, create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. <laughs> now, now, see, uh, as a pastor, I, I have trouble admitting this, but I'm gonna pray, I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to admit this to you guys because I want victory in this in my heart. But sometimes... I have the wrong spirit about things. <laughs> I, I, I don't know about you, but, but sometimes I, I, I pray and I worship and I ask God to change my situation, but God, when God is wanting me to change, I'm praying about my situation. And when I need to be praying, God changed me, I'm really praying about my situation. I don't know what it is about that, but God wants to set us free from praying about our stuff and praying about us. Open our hearts up to change instead of open our lives up to change. Because it would be nice to be comfortable this morning. It would be nice, well, it would be nice to come and pray, God, change what's going around me. But instead, we need to be praying that God changes us. See, Jesus walks up to the man with a question. Do you want to change? Do you want to be made well? We don't know exactly what was wrong with this man. We know that he couldn't move around. Some translations say that he was paralyzed, while other tr- translations say something different. But we know that he couldn't move around very much. And, and we think that he might not have been able to hear very much because if you look at his response to the next passage of Scripture, we, we see that he just did not answer the question at all. It kind of reminds me of, uh, of my wife a little bit. Um, See, I've already cleared this with her. She, apparently, she's getting a new outfit for this one. But um, see, when I begin to argue, my brain goes numb, and 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 it's hard for me to 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 come up with words, and 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 I start I start repeating myself, and I, I start like, uh, you know, and. And, and I, I just, I, I just can't, I can't think of anything to say, and I just get frustrated, and I walk I'm the kind of guy that 20 minutes later after the argument or after a difficult situation, I got the best lines. <laughs> Anybody like that this morning? You got the best lines 20 minutes after it all happens. And my wife is a different kind of person. See, she is cool, calm, and collected, and she has the best lines at the right time (laughs) in the right place. And my wife was dealing with my children. And it seemed like in that moment, there was 10 other things that were going on and she was doing a very good job handling everything and everything was going on around her and the kids were fighting and, and she was getting frustrated with the kids and she began to tell the kids what to do. You just stop hitting each other. You, you stop hey you, you, you stop you stop fighting you stop pushing her. You stop you hey stop arguing right now. Would you just calm down? And all this was going on and, and then and then finally they, they were coming up and she said, Well he hit me or or she's pushing me or she's doing all and it was just going on. And and they were trying to come up with all these reasons why they couldn't do what she was telling them to do. And I, I saw the switch flip. <laughs> I was like, I know what's happening. I'm about to walk away. <laughs> I've seen that before. And she said, she said something. She said, I didn't ask what happened. I'm about to tell you what's going to happen. My goodness. I, I thought that she only said that to me. <laughs> i will just and She doesn't say that to me very much. Now, Now, Jesus asked the question, do you want to be made well, not do you want to feel better? I think some people know where I'm going with this, because I think we come to the church and we pray to God because we want to feel better, not we don't want to be made well. I, I think some people, they come and enjoy our fellowship and they come and try to enjoy a relationship with Christ because of the peace and the joy that He brings, but they don't want any part of their life to change or be set free. See, they want to they have this over here, this life over here, but they want to live like this over here. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. See, when we come to the Lord, He asks us a question. Do you want to be made well. And you and I, we have an answer for that. And that's what the pool represented this morning. It re- represents a place where, where where church family comes with all these dysfunctions and these issues and these problems and these situations in our life, and maybe it represents religion in the world in a way where people come and 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 it's the first one in. It's the first one that that is able to to receive that healing or that change that that gets fixed. But but that's not the way Jesus wants to operate. That's not the way that Jesus wants to, to, to do something in our life. That's kind of like why I, I, I love youth ministry. Because they hadn't been doing anything long enough to think that Jesus can't change them. Because they know Jesus wants to change them. And they know that they're not where they need to be yet. They know, they know the story's not over for them. And I wish that some, somebody in here would just wake up and realize that Jesus is not done changing you this morning. That, that it's, he, he's not done with you. It doesn't matter if you're 19 years old or 99 years old. God's got a good and a perfect plan for your life and it's meant, meant to prosper you. It's not for, meant for your disaster and healing is around the corner if you would just believe it in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. See, I want to I go back to verse 4 right now because I, I went from verse 3 to verse 5 but I want to go back to verse 4 because see in, in some people's translations there is no verse 4 it goes from three to five that, that's because in in the older translations they were actually working with a, a newer manuscript and in those manuscripts that verse five, uh, 4 was featured in it but in the in the old uh, newer translations they're working with older manuscripts and, and it wasn't featured in it. We don't know why there's a difference, but we we suspect that maybe there there was a scribe that put a notation in the margin and somehow that that notation was translated into that text. But this morning I I, I want to share with you what that passage of scripture is saying in John chapter 5 verse 4, for an angel of the Lord went down, somebody say went down, at a certain time into the pool, I, I think that that's what a lot of us are waiting on—that that God would just come down at a certain time in a certain place and and and, and make everything right in our lives. We're waiting on God to to, to stop whatever He's doing and, and 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 pay attention to us because you know God's got a waiting list and all. And it's not our time yet for the miracle. So we just got to wait on God. And maybe if I just don't ever miss church, and maybe if I don't ever miss a prayer time, and maybe if I don't miss this or miss that, or maybe if I just live my life in a better way, that somehow I would miss God. And we're waiting on God to come down. But the angel would come down and stir up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease they had. See, this man was at a disadvantage. He couldn't move, and he hardly stood a chance for getting healed. See, the first person into the water would be healed, and that's that picture of religion. That's that picture of the world that I was sharing with you, that the first person in would somehow get the healing touch or the virtue of a a God that loves them. But that's not what Jesus represented. There's some good news in here because Jesus wasn't religion. He wasn't the world. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he's not concerned with all of our excuses. He is the embodiment of God's grace and his mercy. And he walks up to the person that has the need. And he said, and he wanted to announce to this individual, you thought you were last, but now you have become the first. See, a preacher by the name of Robert Mandu says this. He says, desperation is the door that breakthrough walks through. I think if I say that three or four times, it can become my quote. Desperation is the door that breakthrough walks through. See, the more desperate the situation is, the greater opportunity there is for a miracle. So if you need something from God this morning, Now. Is the right time and this is the right place. See, we can we can wait on God to come down into our life and give us joy and give us peace. We can wait for God to come down and change our lives and stir the waters and shake us loose from all of the addiction and all of this and that. But I, I want you to know this morning that, that some of you are begging God to do a miracle. And you're sitting there wondering why your miracle hasn't occurred. But, but I, 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 I don't believe that you have to beg a loving and heavenly father to give you what he wants to give you. I, I don't believe that you have to beg uh, your heavenly father for something he's already purchased for you. I don't believe that you have to beg a loving and giving Heavenly Father for something that He has died to already set you free from. You don't have to do that. And, and what's more is you don't, have to, you don't have to work to try to convince somebody that you need something from God. You don't have to, you don't have to have a a good explanation and try to convince somebody else that God needs to help you in your situation because I want you to know that when a God of all the universe, an unlimited God comes and he wants to do something in your life, he speaks the words and it's done. And there's nothing that anybody can say or do about it. Amen. So I don't care what the doctor says. I I, I don't care what, what the rent says. I, I, I don't care what your situation says. I don't care what other people around you say. When God wants to do something in your life, he speaks the words and it is accomplished in your life. Somebody needs to hear that. We're continuing it with verse seven. The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when their water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me Sir, uh, Jesus, you you don't know how it works in these parts, (laughs) sir. Sir, you you haven't been paying attention. See, I am, I am paralyzed. I, I am not able to do what you think I ought to be able to do because see, we all know that that healing doesn't come right here where I'm at. Healing comes down in those waters and, and it only comes to those people that are in line first, and not, not the people like me. And so, sir, you just, you, you, I, I know you mean well, you, but, but you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but see, he was so busy with his excuses That he didn't recognize Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals, was standing right in front of him wanting to do a miracle. And I keep expecting Jesus to jump into our text saying, saying, I didn't ask all that. I'm about to tell you what's going to happen in your life. And and this morning, this morning, I, I think it's crazy how you and I can be stuck when an unlimited God is standing right in front of us wanting to work something out. And we begin to offer him all these excuses in our lives as to why God can't do this. When all he has to do is speak and then it's done. Just say the words, Lord, and it's accomplished. See what's fair, and I'll be fair to this, this guy, this paralytic, this invalid, everything that he said was true. It was all true. He couldn't move. He'd been there for 38 years. He probably had his own spot right there at the church, at the seat. He'd probably been asking the Lord to do something in his life. And he kept showing up. And he showed up. and He would show up and he wouldn't give up hope but he didn't know where it was going to come from, and he didn't recognize the Holy Spirit and the presence of Jehovah right there in the room with him. See, what's funny is you have to know a little bit about the Bible. So so there's some Bible nerds in here that that have already figured this out, but but in John chapter 4, the the chapter right before John chapter 5, John chapter 4, Jesus is walking through a place called Samaria, and he found himself in a place called Sikhar in Samaria, and he's sitting next to a well. <laughs> Isn't it funny where, that we serve a, a God that always shows up where he's not supposed to be at the wrong time? In the right place, at the right time, really. And Jesus is sitting at that well, and a woman, a Samaritan woman walks up, and Jesus says, woman, give me a drink of water, which is only something Jesus can say without getting in trouble. Somebody knows what I'm talking about in here. He says, woman, give me a drink of water. And Jesus, she continues on. She says, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. You aren't supposed to be asking me for a drink. And Jesus responds with this. And I want us to hear this this morning. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that says to you, give me a drink. You would ask Him and He would have given you living water. He continues on in verse 13, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. He says, woman, you don't need a bucket when you got the water standing right in front of you. You don't need that. I've got the water. I've got the water. She continues on. She continues on with a question. He says, She says, some people say that you should worship at the temple and some people say that you should worship right here on this mountain. What do you think? And he says, they're both wrong. They're both wrong. See, the Heavenly Father, there will come a day when that Heavenly Father and even right now today, wants you not to worship on the mountain, not to worship in the temple, but to worship right there in spirit and in truth at the place of grace and disgrace where you bear your life out to God in honesty and humility and you tell God exactly what's going on so that not he can fix the situation, the problem, but he wants to fix you right here, right now. See, that's what grace is. That's what mercy is. That's the picture. It's where we meet Jesus at Bethesda, between grace and disgrace. And that's a picture of salvation. See, miracles begin where our excuses end and we open ourselves up to what the Lord really wants to work with. I don't have anybody. I I don't have anybody to walk beside me if I just had some expert help, if I just had some good counseling, if I just had a good church family, if I just had this, if I just had that. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. But I want you to know that God can do more in your heart and your life at that place in this moment than all the pastoral counseling in the whole entire world. He can deal with you and your struggle and the situation and the anxiety and the hurts and the pains faster than any prescription could ever dream about doing. God wants to work in our hearts and lives. One of the biggest dangers in our life is that we believe that we're the exception of the rule. But we Ladies and gentlemen, are the rule. There are no exceptions. God wants to work in our hearts and lives. See, Jesus looks back at the man and says in verse 8, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. He said, Get up! Get up! Is it possible? That while we are waiting for God to come down, God is waiting on you and I to stand up and come to Him and show Him where the place of grace meets the place of disgrace and get real with Him so that He could touch something in our lives that we don't want anybody else to be looking at. Is it possible that God wants to meet us? at the point where we have excuses and to do something in our lives. Is it possible that God wants us to change before our situation changes? Maybe miracles are when not the situation changes, but when we change. So this morning, my prayer is that the living water would spring up inside of our souls and make us well.